Now, KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, good Saturday, good morning. We're off and running around the first turn, and it is the Helitech Home Improvement Show, and it is the Helitech Basement Foundation and Repair Home Improvement Show. Yeah, title sponsor, what's not to love? Well, we were going to have a Helitech guest in, but family events uh, kind of curtailed that. Now it's going to be two hours of me, uh, mono o thousands, whatever. It's me and you. Many of the questions that you have turned, we'll talk about here in the next two hours here on the Helitech Home Improvement Show. I have 10 phone lines, 10 phone lines. I've had a great morning. We're going to get started. My mission here is to help you. We call this the at-your-service phone lines. That's the idea. You call, pose a question, idea, suggestion, great idea around, around your home. We talk about it. If I have an answer, I'll share with you. If not, I'll share what I understand of the concepts, the topics, and the physics behind it so that we can kind of figure it out. So if I can teach you to fish... You can figure these things out in the future. If I give you a quick answer, that's kind of it. So uh, for those of you that are new listeners, hopefully some new homeowners here trying to figure out how to take care of that home, yeah, the questions uh, are brief and the uh, answers can be lengthy. (laughs) My name is Scott Mosby. I've spent, oh my gosh, uh, about 50 years either behind the tools, behind a design uh, uh, drafting board in the early years, uh, and then a computer mouse, um, and now much of that stuff is digitally done to the point that when I started out as a carpenter, it was tape measures, hammers, and nails, and uh, uh, hand saws. Power saws were part of it, but they were, you know, kind of in the, yeah, that was for production cutting of a lot of pieces. My gosh, now we're on to two uh, cordless drills, uh, cordless tools, air nailers, but no extension cords, no uh, big long hoses. Some have pneumatic actuators, and now we're on to cordless drills and nail guns as well. So much to talk about. Two hours, you are the mission. You are the, uh, uh, the whole point. I'm here. Uh, my day job, if you will, is Mosby Building Arts. We are licensed architects and home remodelers. We renovate stuff. Uh, Think of us as house recyclers. Um, We don't generally build too much new. However, we do some very comprehensive and extensive remodeling. Uh, Largest project to date, about two and a half million. Smallest, free. We do some of those things as well. Once you're part of the Mosby family... You're part of the Mosby family, Uh, even for uh, associates and employees that come and go, and uh, you're just still part of the family. Phone lines for you. All right, you know them. Come on, KMOX listeners, smartest people in the world. 314-436-7900-436-7900. Toll-free, 800-925-1120. We are off and running. We've got some good questions. My goodness, it's an Indian summer. (laughs) I love St. Louis. I love four changing seasons, but I can get along with today's 50-degree temperatures and tomorrow. Oh, my goodness. Yes, I'm an outdoor guy. Any opportunity, I'm there. 
314-436-7900, toll-free, 800-925-1120. Let's get started right away and get right to the phones. We've got such a good uh, start for it. Uh, let's talk to Greg. Hey, Greg, good morning. Welcome to KMOX, my friend. How can I help? Hey, Scott. Great show. I really love it. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, uh, I wanted to do a little spray foam in, in, on the rim seal, rim joist of my crawl space just to stop a little air infiltration since yeah. we have some good weather. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm not quite sure which can to use. Should I use the regular can, the red one, or the blue one for window slash um, uh, doors, or the orange one for the fire, the fire protective type one? I what? do have a furnace down there, but I'm not going to be spraying any foam even close to the furnace at all. Okay, so this is a set. Do you have the foundation insulated as well? Do you have some foam on that on the inside? Yes. Oh, God bless your soul, man! You're doing the right thing. Uh, don't yeah. worry about the minimal insul, uh, the minimal expansion. It, you can. There's enough room that if you use the standard spray foam, uh, right. it will expand and you'll get more depth out of it. So you don't need the window and door stuff. That's minimal expansion. So the air bubbles are smaller. The uh, amount of motion or movement. Uh, doesn't blow the siding and the wall apart. So that's why we use the minimal expansion around windows because if you leave that stuff alone on the standard stuff, it'll keep on growing for, you know, 30 minutes sometimes. And that'll just literally, uh, my first experience with this stuff, golly, with my dad, uh, oh, crap, probably 20 years ago, you know, we foamed in some windows and we went to lunch and came back and it blew everything apart. The windows were fine, but it, you know, pulled the drywall off. It pulled the siding out. So good question. So just use the regular type. I don't have to use it. So just use the regular type of foam. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know, um, because there's nothing that will, uh, it, it's, it doesn't have a second side or surface to wedge off. If you spray it on right. the on the banjoist, which, by the way, is magical. Also, in that banjoist, look up and see if you can find any penetrations for uh, wiring that comes down through the floor. Spray those holes because there's also a big deal, you know, especially on a crawl space where uh, it's important to seal off <clears throat> all your pipe uh, chases, your wires and and anything like that going from that crawl space up because you can get a real stack effect to where if you have a hole uh, corresponding to that same, you know, say you've got a plumbing pipe coming down and it's kind of too big for the uh, pipe and then up Mm -hmm. at the top you've got another opening like that, you will start uh, on a warm day like today with the sun, the attic will get uh, hot and the air will expand and rise, and as it leaves the attic, it will suck it in from the crawl space. Gotcha. So, yeah, most of the areas I can hit with some caulk, but the, there were just a few yeah. areas that were bigger than that, so I just wasn't sure which type to use on that. Thanks a lot. Yeah, Greg, I, I honor you. This is, this, is a, this is a very, very high-value thing you're doing. Very high-value. Oh. oh, great. Thanks. All right. Take care. Bye now. Take care. Bye-bye. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby. There's a whole bunch of building science, a lot of mistakes, as you've well known. Had a caller some years ago say, man, you seem to have a lot of the answers. Do you ever make mistakes? Boy, howdy. (laughs) I'm the advantage of this show is I'm your pre-mistake guy. So by the time you call me and get an answer, it's already been pre-disastered. Yeah. I've already messed this up, learned from it, researched why it needs to be that way, uh, painfully learned from my experience on what happens when you don't do it right. So I I love sharing uh, all of the stuff, whether it's good, bad, or ugly. Uh, I've walked that path. uh, Walk a mile in my shoes. Maybe I can save you a little bit of uh, old calluses, a little... 
few busted knuckles in the world of trades, and we can talk about more. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Scott Mosby, very pleased to be here with you on KMOX. Now, KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, live and lively, 50 degrees, sunshine, not a whole lot of wind, at least not right now. And we've got two hours of home improvement, and we're going to talk about it right here on KMOX. Thank you for joining me. I wish you a wonderful day today. It's going to be a terrific day, great weather, opportunity to get outside, maybe get together with the family and see what's happening. Let's get uh, see what's happening here and go to John. Hey, John, good morning. Welcome to KMOX, how can I help? Uh, good morning. I have a situation in my basement where there's a rug that's been down for many years. I moved into the house a couple of years ago, and uh, I think it's moldy, and mm-hmm. it has a rubber backing on it. Okay. And what I'd like to do is uh, remove the moldy rug and the backing, mm-hmm. and then just uh, seal it in some way, shape, or form. Uh I don't plan to use the basement for entertainment, so just to make a uh, a nice clean uh, surface going forward. Uh, what recommendations do you have in terms of doing that in a cost-effective way? Uh, John, is it a glue-down carpet or is it a, a, just an area rug laid on the surface? It is a glue-down carpet, and it appears as if there's... Uh, uh, some sort of a gluing substance that you can see uh, on top of the cement. Okay. Uh, well, in starters, John, uh, the carpet has to go. The rubber backing has to go. After that, if you get to raw concrete, uh, you're in pretty good shape. The concrete is too alkali to support the growth of mold. So it would need to be scrubbed, uh, you know, maybe disinfect, kind of a bleach sort of thing with it after you get all this off. And then you're good to go. The, the concrete will not gather, hold moisture, and then grow mold on it after your uh, cleaning is complete. Um, the carpet will literally uh, just pull off. Uh, this, is a, this is a very messy, messy dusty um, task because the literally the rubber backing disintegrates into dust once you're right. pulling it. Uh, so typically, we will cut it up into sections. We'll take a utility knife or something like that, cut them into, you know, whatever size we want to uh, peel up, you know, six by six feet, uh, eight by eight feet, ten, you know, whatever. Keep in mind, this stuff can get heavy pretty quickly. Um, sure. So we, we will cut through the carpeting uh, and then just literally grab a corner and start pulling. Sometimes on larger areas, it might take two people to pull that. Uh, The rubber stays on the floor. The adhesive stays on the floor. And then there are floor scrapers. If you can think of a kind of a putty knife with a very sharp edge on it, there are, uh, you know, 10-inch, 12-inch wide floor scrapers that you literally sharpen virtually to a razor sharp and you lacerate or cut this rubber uh, mastic off the concrete. Uh, Don't worry about taking the rubber off uh, of the mastic, but you've got concrete, and then usually it would be the yellow latex adhesive for carpets. A lot of it you've seen for tiles and such, and it can get pretty doggone hard. So when it gets really hard in some areas, do the easy stuff first, so kind of move quickly, cut off whatever you can, uh, and then identify those places and come back, and then uh, you can warm that up so you can 
rubberize or put more elasticity back into some of that if you warm that up with a heat gun. Uh, if you start burning it, though, you're going to have some pretty nasty um, fumes in that basement and can, and can get pretty pretty uncomfortable. Um, is, is there a way to coat over the blue, the glue uh, such that uh, uh, it would seal the the uh, uh, surface and lead to something that would be you know a serviceable thing to just walk across as I go to the laundry room? Um, actually the vinyl adhesive, the latex adhesive pretty well seals the concrete pretty well. So if you cut it off, uh, it's going to be ugly. So the problem is that it's unsightly, not that it's not really sealed, but you've already got a primer paint, which is this latex adhesive stuck to the concrete. And then you have to go to solvents to, uh, we call it cutback, C-U-T-B-A-C-K, cutback. It's basically a a solvent or there are spray like Goo Gone, G-O-O-G-O-N-E, Goo Gone. Um, you know, some of the flooring contractors will use that and then soften it up with a Goo Gone and then slice it off with this, which it gets to be a pretty ugly thing. And, and for that purpose, sometimes people put new floors down. You know, they'll scrape the floor the best they can and then put something else that's um, on there. The problem is if there's humidity down there and moisture, uh, any fiber will hold that moisture and wind up with the same mold again. Well, thank you for your good advice. Yeah, uh, John, one thing uh, I would like for you to measure the relative humidity down there with a digital hygrometer, just a digital thermometer, you know, something you buy for 10 to $15, and just measure that relative humidity. When you hit 50 degrees relative, actually about 50% or 55%, that's when there's enough moisture that the bugs get happy and biological uh, growth is supported by that. So you get bugs, you get the mold, you get all kinds of things growing. So if you can keep your relative humidity in uh, throughout the house below 50%, you're in good shape. So if you get down there and you pull this carpet off and, you know, you, I would test it. Uh, but keep in mind, if you use water, to clean up or move this with, you will induce a higher level of humidity. So you will be the source of the humidity in your cleaning removal process as well. So you need to do it kind of before you start taking the carpet off. Right. Sounds like an ugly job. <laughs> Man, I'll tell you what it is. Um, I've been there, done that so many times, and uh, it, it, it is an ugly job. And, and, you know, carpet floor companies are used to doing this stuff. There are mechanical machines that actually kind of chip and slice this. So it's kind of like a, you know, like a Hoover snout vacuum cleaner that has these blades. So uh, it kind of will slice this off for you. So there are mechanic, mechanized ways, but they're pretty specialized tools. Sure. Where can I get those? Uh, you might try a rental place. I'm not sure what they have, but uh, and it's not a chipper. You know, there's a tool like that that is a chipper that actually has um, uh, hard steel for chipping off ceramic tile. Great. So, all right. Good luck, John. Thank you, sir. All right. Bye now. We have Mr. Brian Kelly stepping in. We've got some cause for the newsroom. Yes, the traffic update for you, Scott. Uh, westbound 70 at Cypress. Only the left shoulder is getting by. Now, officially, MoDOT says it's closed, so they're probably just letting the cars that are stuck there get through. But it's backed up past the inner belt right now. Oh, my. And so westbound I-70, as you pass the airport up ahead at Cypress, 
it's closed, and so you'll want to get off there, maybe use Natural Bridge or some other way to get by and avoid that. Wow, or avoid Highway 70 West, uh, you know, find another route. Head down uh, the inner belt to yeah. 40, 64 would be mm-hmm. one way to go as well, All or right. up to 270. Cool. So, Brian, will you keep us updated? I will do. There we that. go, Mr. Kelly, the real live and professional newsroom of CAMOX. Uh, let's see what's cooking here and talk with Steve. Hey, Steve, good morning. Welcome to CAMOX. How can we help? Thank you for taking my call. I um, moved out to Peebley and uh, been out here like three months. Had a water softener installed because, mm-hmm. you know, it was needed. Yep. Um, I'm getting a new furnace put in. I'm going to go ahead and have a humidifier put in. Yeah. And um, the guy wanted to, the contractor says they want to have untreated water because they said they've had problems with water softening, damaging the AC coil. So I'm in the process of leaving our hardware store to get some plumbing because I want to go ahead and make sure I get untreated water going to my outside faucets anyway. I just wanted to get your thoughts and opinions on water softened water softener and AC evaporators. Oh, for sure. Well, number one, the salt from the desalinization from the water softener will attack the furnace as well. So if you have, there is residual um, sodium chloride salt that will be in that humidified air if you don't uh, use standard hard water. Uh, The other side of it is if you use hard water, now you've got a lot of grit that is in suspension. So think of it as floating little granules of, of sand. So what I would suggest is untreated water and then just up line of your dehumidifier or, or your humidifier put in a, um, a filter element, you know, a standard particulate water filter. You follow what I mean? So you're going to catch the big uh, grit and pluggers uh, from that filter and, and then monitor that filter regularly. Okay, so put an inline filter between yep. the water supply and, and the inlet to the humidifier. Yes, sir. Filter out the water coming into perfect. Thank yeah, and for washing much, cars and watering plants, you know, you can, you know, that sand and that um, mineral deposit will actually help them. So don't worry about it. All right. Thank you very much. All right. Good question, Steve. Thank you, sir. All right. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. And we get so many questions, or I do, uh, oftentimes about humidifiers. Humid, you know, oh, man, it's humid. Well, a humid adder is a humidifier, so it adds moisture to the air. Dehumidifier or dehumid is lowering the amount of moisture in the air. On a day like today with a little bit of um, rain that we had in some of the areas of the Camoxville, it's going to be, and the direct sunlight, we are now vaporizing all that water into a steam, if you will, or vapor form. So it's going to be a humid day, relatively humid. So anyway, think about that. 314-436-7900 is our phone number or toll-free 800-925-1120. My name is Scott Mosby. I am thrilled to be here. I am at your service here on X. Welcome back to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, once again, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, you learning junkies, we've got seminar time. It's seminar time. Learn as much as you want to know. So we've got some 2018 seminars that uh, I and my company put together, at least when it's not during the radio show. But the first one is February 24th, February 24th, Exteriors, Windows and Doors. 
The following month, March is outdoor living, and then in April, it's bathrooms. Typically, hall bathrooms, more uh, simple type things. Uh, talk a little bit about master ba- bathrooms, but generally, they're your simpler eight by twelve or five by seven, eight by you know five by eight, whatever it is. So anyway. Exteriors, outdoor living, right bath, and then as we go throughout the rest of the year, it's a lot more things. Uh, Topics include uh, additions, kitchens, bathrooms again, only get to more comprehensive bathrooms, and then in October it gets into lower levels. You want to check it out, check out callmosby.com, C-A-L-L-M-O-S-B-Y.com. Let's get right on the phones and see what's cooking here with Paul. Hey, Paul, good morning. Welcome. How can I help you, my friend? Yes, I have a... uh cream-colored Formica countertop that has, like, a, an area that's been worn away, you know, from scrubbing, trying to clean it. Oh, yeah. And is, there, is there any way to repair that and not replace it? My countertop is, like, 30 foot long, and I don't want to replace the whole thing. Um, in a word, uh, no, that is a courtesy of abrasive cleansers. My mother scrubbed the pattern right off of a butcher block Formica top years ago, and that is our scrubby Dutch heritage and it's the abrasive cleanser that did it. So you literally, uh, somebody sanded the surface off of that Formica. Mm-hmm. Now, the good news is, uh, yes, if you're really good, you can remove a sheet of Formica by heating it up with an iron. So when we fix uh, Formica or do small-scale repairs, just like the person who was removing the you know, the floor uh, adhesive in the basement. If you heat it up, it gets a little softer, and then you can pull that Formica off. The problem with that, Paul, is you can't duplicate the the laminate. You know, they don't, even if it's the same pattern and number, the color and shade difference over the years will be dramatically different. So even if you had a sheet from that run lot 30 years ago or whenever, it won't match. So yes, you can, and no, you shouldn't. <laughs> All right. How's that for a long it. and the short of it? Yes, that sounds good. I appreciate it. Thanks. All right, Paul. Take care. Bye. And next up, let's see. We've got a little bit of help from our friends. Ed, good morning. Do you have some suggestions for us on flooring, my friend? Ed, yeah, Scott, I, I had the same problem that John had with that uh, flooring in the basement. Yeah. And I... Uh, I went to the orange-colored box store, and I got me a floor buffer. After trying it for a long time, I got a floor buffer, one of the one-inch real coarse, thick pads that go on there. Yeah, yeah. And then then I took a piece of uh, metal, that metal lab that comes in like a three-by-four sheet, and I cut it as round as the the, uh, pad that I got with the buffer, put it on there. And that stuff came off like a dream. Now, are you I mean, are you describing hardware cloth here, Ed? No, there's a there's a pad that comes when you're scrubbing the floor. Yeah, yeah, there's the a, kind yeah, of the white um, uh, uh, 3M, 3M brillo looking thing. Yeah, white. It's uh, well, the one I had was red, yeah. and that's what held that's what held the uh, the uh, lathers screen in in place for me. Yeah, and then after. It left a, it left a little bit of scratches on it, but I took that I took that pad then and went over the whole floor again, and it came out just like well not like new it still had some marks in it but right right it was, right, a, right. It, it was a whole lot easier doing it that way because I tried everything you said <laughs> and I just I, I just got so aggravated I had sat and thought about it for a while and come up with that and it worked out really good. 
Well, good. That's came a, off real easy. That's a really good way. Those pads. Uh, so this might be from a tool rental, and sometimes for floor finishing or refinishing, those abrasive pads. Uh, typically go on for stripping finish uh, to refinish hardwood floors. The different colors or different grits, if you will, kind of like rubbing compound on cars. Uh, great Correct. idea. Wow. Thanks, yeah. Ed. But, but what really did it, though, Scott, is the metal lath. Uh, wow. Like oh, said, yeah. That. Plaster lath? That's yeah. what you're talking about. Oh, my gosh. The plaster lath. Yeah. But, I mean, it took it. You know how sharp that stuff is. It took it off just amazingly so you put that plaster lath on the bottom of the mesh pad or uh how what what held it in place right i had the machine the mesh pad and then i cut out a circle the same size as the mesh pad wow and that held and that held the lather screen in place for me and and then i scrubbed it and done what i had to do and then I went over it. I took the screen off and went over it just with the pad, and it kind of smoothed it out a little bit more. Yeah, well, there's an open mesh, you know, the sanding mesh, the, like for drywall or abrasives, and they do have those open mesh uh, pads, I know, as part of wood floor finishing that you could have finished it with. But, man, nothing yeah, as cool yeah. as that plaster lath. That's a great idea, Ed. Oh, man, it worked out great, Scott. Wow. Hope it helps somebody. Man, I hope so. You might have saved somebody all kinds of time and, and health stuff, too. Uh, I hope so, yeah, because the dust was, uh, it didn't really give off a lot of dust doing it that way either. Yeah, you're I mean, cutting off was, big chunks. <clears throat> yeah, and it was more low to the ground and doing, you know, but it worked great. I okay. hope John can try that and see if it works for him. Thank you, sir. Thank you, thank you. All right. All right. All right. Bye-bye. There you go. Ed, his suggestion one more time, and especially for John, on removing rubber back carpet in the basement. That was John's question. Uh, and Ed is proposing that a floor buffer, you know, they're the big floor buffers. Uh, they're 16, 20, 24. Inch, they're big. They're made for refinishing floors and for polishing a waxed floors on composite tile. Uh, these same buffers can be used with abrasives to remove uh, the finish, the clear finish off of a wood floor, literally remove the top surface off of a slight wood floor. And what Ed is suggesting is plaster lath. You know, like the old wood lath you think about? This is plaster lath, L-A-T-H, P-L-A-S-T-E-R, plaster lath. And it is very sharp, and um, it is used to nail on the wall that the plasters use. Then they apply their three coats of plaster to give you a, a plastered wall or surface. That stuff is really sharp. I know exactly what he means. So he's cutting that into a disc, putting it on the bottom of a mesh pad, which you can get at the same place as the rental, and then on you go from there. Great idea. Thank you, Ed. Good, good, good idea. Uh, we have an update here from Brian Kelly of the KMOX New Room, Newsroom. Uh, Brian, any um, things developing? Yeah, a little bit. It looks like that westbound 70, the accident's still there at about Cypress. The left lane appears to be open. The backup goes back to air flight, not quite to the inner belt. It's one of those where I think if you just wait a few minutes, you'll get through it okay. Still a pretty good backup and pretty slow. Of course, you can use the inner belt to add up to 270 or way down to 64. But I kind of think sticking with it's probably the good idea. But do expect a delay as you're coming up past the inner belt, approaching the airport, and the accident is up on the right side up at Cyprus. They'll move you to your left. Okay.
Thank you. Will you keep you us bet. updated? I will. All right. There you go. The mastery, wizardry, and experience of the X newsroom. There you go, Brian. Now you have to do good stuff all the time. <laughs> Pressure's on. Well, I can't tell you. I, I come into X in the studio every day, and, you know, you all know that X is, you know, kind of an iconic thing. Um, back to the 20s and, you know, the history, the place in the community. Uh, we have Edward R. Murrow, and you know who that was, Ed, for those of you that remember Edward R. Murrow, the broadcaster, and Edward R. Murrow Award. And I pass 100, I mean, one wall, nothing, but these incredible industry awards from the radio and media industry. Uh, and kudos to X over the years. So pretty impressive stuff. Uh, let's see what's cooking here and talk to uh, Mary. Hey, Mary. This Mary, how can we help you there? Yes, uh, thank you for your service. Um, we have an enclosed back porch that has a ceiling painted, mm-hmm. open, and it, it's open ceiling, and it has what we suspect to be lead paint. Mm-hmm. Can we just put kills over that, or can we just paint over that? Uh, yes, you can. Uh, there are two ways to uh, handle, uh, you know, actually a, a toxic material. One is to remove it. Well, when you remove it, you're, you know, messing with it, and that stuff's going to get airborne. So the lead paint, uh, if you encapsulate it, one of the accepted methods, and it would be a latex paint um, because you want a high solids, thick paint coating, and that encapsulation does include painting. And it may take more than, you know, one coat or something to really isolate it, but you betcha, you sure can. Now, here's another thing. Um, Mary, you can also put a new surface over it so you can leave it in place and apply, you know, drywall, beaded wood ceiling, uh, some sort of a thicker panel, whatever it is. So encapsulating, encapsulating includes covering it up with something else other than paint, too. Okay. Now, is Kills a better product to use than just a latex paint? Uh, it's not. You don't need the kills. Kills uh, is for stains, so it's for chemicals, mold, uh, things that the high solvent and the the uh, um, sealing nature. Uh, nothing will bleed through a kills. That's the idea of a a stain blocking paint. Uh, what you're trying to do is just cover it up. So whether you want to wallpaper it, paint it, or drywall it, you're okay. But you don't need anything as as high performance as the kills. Although kills will do a fine job. And if it's a smelly room, uh, Kills is effective at covering up the past smells from the future, too. So it may be another reason why you do choose the Kills. Yep. All right. Well, thank you so much for your answer. Appreciate you be- it. You bet, Mary. It's uh, something I like to help you with. And uh, lead paint's everywhere. So there's a good probability it's lead. All right. Thank <laughs> you again. All, All right. right. Uh, I've been around long enough that uh, I built a custom home in the 80s for a man whose father-in-law was a retired decorator. And uh, his world, he came from lead dust, you know, um, brown bags of lead dust with turpentine and pigment. They made their own paint coatings. So believe me, I've seen that stuff made. And if you've ever seen lead dust, you know, in, in commercial form... That's what, and, and the stuff, I mean, you're basically laying a layer of, of lead over the surface. And that's why it, it was a magical coating material. You know, never mind it 
you know, once it gets airborne into our lungs or ingested, we just can't get rid of the stuff. The body just can't get rid of it. Home Improvement, KMOX, Scott Mosby here on KMOX for you. Now, KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Foundation Repair Home Improvement Show. Now, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, topping off hour one, we've got some great questions and topics. We've got all sorts of things to talk about, and let's see what's happening here. Let's talk with Dan. Dan, good morning. How can I help, sir? Hey, Scott. Um, I have a 30 by 35-foot patio. It's a paver patio. Mm -hmm. And um, when it got really cold a few weeks back, there was a couple places where it kind of buckled up. Yes. And so um, as it's warmed up, it seems like the pavers have kind of gone back into position. Mm -hmm. Um, But we are getting ready to have a a party like in April. So I'm hoping that they go back down. But my question is, do you know, one, what causes that? I'm sure it's water. Mm -hmm. But two, would it have been a could I avoid it if I would have put down that sealant? And what kind of sealant do you recommend? Um, no, you can't stop it with sealant. Sealant will uh, lessen some stains. So if you've got, you know, bluebird uh, berries that are falling or droppings from birds or oak leaves, that's where the sealer can help. The problem is it, it is the soil, the subgrade underneath the pavers that freezes, expands, and lifts up that, that uh, paver. Um, so one of the ways to handle that is uh, to have a deeper gravel subgrade. But even so, uh, pavers come up and down. That's, that's the, the beauty of them. Sometimes they don't realign. You pull them back and you use the sand uh, space underneath it to re-level it, pound it, and then re-sand the grout or, or the joints, if you will. But no, it's, okay. uh, it should go back down. And my recommendation is unless you have other problems you're trying to limit, don't seal it because it slows down how fast the moisture moves through those pavers. And so it traps moisture onto the patio. And then when we get deep freezes like this year, um, and for the last two winters, we really haven't had long, deep freezes. So the soil literally freezes, the moisture in it expands, and that's what lifts up concrete, asphalt, pavers, front porches, stoops, makes, you know, the steps on front doors and outside doors pinch. So, yep, it's Mother Nature. All right, great. Thank you. Good question, Dan. Thank you. Bye now. All right, bye. And next up, let's see what's happening here with Mary. Hey, Mary, good morning. Welcome. How can I help? Hi. Um, I have a deck with a pergola, and it's like 22 feet by 12 feet. Mm-hmm. And I like to cover it for protection from the rain and such. Okay. Um, the thing of it is, only half of it comes out from the house. The other half, you know, extends away from the house. Okay. Um, so I didn't know if, you know, covering it with something like plexiglass or that wavy product. Is this to enclose the walls on it to make enclose it a bit? Well, just the roof, just, not, not the sides. Just I want to have a cover over the roof. Uh, what's the on What's on the roof? Well, I mean the pergola is just those slats of wood. Okay, okay. So it's a it's an actually wood slatted strip, if you will. Yeah, there's you know several of them. You know, just I don't know if they're like four by one inch. Yeah, slats going all the way across. Yeah. Um, and I just thought if I could cover it so that you could be out there in the rain. 
Uh, the neatest thing I've seen uh, on something like that, and Mary, we get called to put real roofs on and shingles and all that, which changes a lot of things. It's it weight, um, maintenance, um, all that stuff. Uh, I've actually seen awning companies put, uh, for example, the fabric for um, building awnings or tents. Uh, I've seen them actually put a fabric over the top of these things and stretch it. So they have to make a frame and install places to secure it. Uh, and then you have to go up there and put this thing on. So there's some hazardous uh, duty involved in that. But, you know, people like, uh, you know, Lawrence Tent and Awning, uh, you know, some of the big um, fabric fabricators that, uh, you know, just you see around town. So that that's the most clever thing I've seen. Then you come back to just tarps, you know, the plastic tarps. The problem with that is they're lightweight enough that, you know, on a day like yesterday or some windy days in these in-between hot, cold days, you know, they blow and they flap like a sail on a sailboat and they can pound the finish or abrade that wood surface and make it pretty ugly when you take it off. So be careful what you ask for. You just might get it. Whatever you put on there has to be uh, drawn so tight, taut like a drumhead uh, to keep from damaging that sub base. Well, can you do something like plexiglass, you know, or that wavy um, product that's out there that you see sometimes? Uh, you can. The problem with uh, – so, yes, that's true. You could put sheets of uh, the uh, polycarbonate, which is clear plastic. Uh, that's possible, though a little bit unusual. Um, but, yeah, you can you can do that. The issue now is whether the foundation, the piers, the concrete underneath is made to hold snow and ice because when you let the water come through, the building code says you really don't need a lot of foundation, you know, so a lot of these pergolas get built without much of what's needed to hold them up. Uh, then you put on a real roof that doesn't allow the water to come through, and then you trap snow, then you trap ice. That stuff gets too heavy. And then even on the lack, rack strength, you know, you get a side wind on one of those things, and it just falls over. I don't know if you're anything about the, the lake, Lake of the Ozarks, all these places that had ice storms literally crushed the boat docks because, you know, those metal structures just aren't made for holding up that much weight. So it just collapses. Right, yeah. So beware what you ask for. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Okay, thank you. All right, Mary, take care. Bye now. Bye. And that's one of the things with the uh, the awning fabrics that they still let some water through, so it's not perfect, but it's uh, it's a high-quality material, uh, much less costly than, you know, we're in the design-build business, so our job is to come up with a workable solution, um, kind of whether or not it's sticks and bricks or the stuff we do. So we've uh, applied some pretty clever awning covers on some existing structures just so we didn't uh, create a new problem like that structure or whatever. Uh, hold the line. We've got some great things. Again, um, the uh, um, seminars are on callmosby.com or scottmosby.com. Your choice. Either one takes you there. And take a look and see. I've uh, got some great things. Uh, uh, design a winning basement. That's a little bit interesting as well. So we're going to take a short pause, come back for news, weather, and sports, get an update from Brian Kelly on the uh, traffic uh, problem that we've got on westbound Highway 70. Beware, it's near the Cypress exit. Scott Mosby, KMOX Home Improvement. Stay tuned. More coming up. The Voice.